you know when you when you're playing the game, right? I've been there. You know, and we're and we're <laughs> we're doing the lore and stuff, and you're trying to like learn everything that you can about this game. Yep, done that. The, the good, the bad, and anything. Right. What happens when you don't find anything? Um, I take one look at Nakato Avocado, and I go, at least I'm not that guy. There you go. So I don't know if it was like a lack of, I've been really thinking about this because like there's really no real life controversies or influences that this game has. And it's, it's been very interesting about that because black is so in depth with, with military and some of the terms in there are very correct, but none of the places exist except, you know, Chechnya. Yeah, that's strange. Why is that one the only one? It's 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 so weird to me. It's so weird to me. It's almost like there's more to it. Like there's like there's you know like when you play a game and there's always another like how do you say uh like a last easter egg that no one ever finds. I oh, yeah. Black has one of those. I don't I don't know. Cuz I know okay, so EA made it, but which team made it? Like, who was the... I just said... Criterion. 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 I mean, what else have they made? Criterion. Yeah. So they... they, Their first ones, like I said in the first episode, they did... um, Oh, my God. I had the whole list here. Yeah. Yeah. Burnout. And then they went from Burnout and then into Battlefield. And Battlefront. Yeah, so basically, yeah, not things known for uh, <laughs> deep lore, burnout. I guess. Burnout was fun. Yeah, burnout was fun. I mean, until they came out with, uh, what was that last one, Paradise, where you can't even really yep. crash the cars anymore? Yeah, it's totally got rid of the whole whole thing for it, like the whole the reason whole, everybody played it. The whole, The whole pace of the show was gone after that. Yeah, I just don't understand. Like, they took out the main mechanic of the game, and it was really just... Like, they thought they were going to be the next Need for Speed. Need for Speed's even having a hard time being Need for Speed. So I don't know what the plan was there. My wife and I used to play Burnout when we were homeless. <laughs> like We had a little PS2 and our little uh, 7-incher TV connected to this, connected on this shelf god knows where playing burnout getting super excited crashing cars and everyone's just like what the hell's going on in there (laughs) (laughs) it's burnout baby well we're going to continue today or we don't have to yeah well that's true because we are missing our third that's true and that's that is heartbreaking actually Oh, and by the time this one comes out, he won't he'll be gone again. He'll be on vacation. That's right. <laughs> this motherfucker. He slicked he slicked his way through the next like mm. What a five, f- what a sham. Episodes. What a fucking sham artist. We just figured it out. You've been you've been you've been made, man. You've been made. He's on the bullshit. 
It's a real yeah. shame because he's not here to hear every hundred yards of RPGs that are going to come out our way again because it does happen again. It continues to happen in the duration of this game. You get into a fight, then all of a sudden there's an asshole with an RPG. <laughs> is that a reoccurring theme in this game? It really is. Just like real life. Just like when I go to Walmart. Yeah, because, you know, well, depending on what state you're in, they got the fireworks right in front of the place. So, yeah, technically the RPGs. I like it. I like it. I mean, so have we're... you ever seen that video where, when they lit up Target? They lit up the Target fireworks and the whole uh, the whole store just got just lit a flame? No. No, I have not. It's a very just YouTube. It's one of the craziest things I've ever seen in my life. I want to watch things burn down. Yeah, it just... It just... Oof. It was like... But it was like one of those nice-looking fires that you look at, you know? Yeah, I get that. There are pretty fires. Then there's ugly fires. Yeah. But yeah, you know, um, we're coming back into black. We're going to be with our with uh, Carl Urban and Donald, and Donald Sutherland again. Yes. And, you know, we have our supporting, we have our supporting characters. And it's funny, too, because I had to, I had to, I had, there's a name that comes up that we're going to, we're going to have a new character in Sergeant Solomon in today's episode. And Sergeant Solomon, I thought was Sergeant Sullivan until I was nearly done with all my notes and realized in the captions, it says Solomon. So I had to go back and change all my notes, his damn name. (laughs) Way to go. (laughs) Yeah, so that was fun. That was fun. But yeah, we're just going to come right back into it. So we're coming back into the the dark room now. When you watch, uh, you know, one of these military movies, and you see it's a it's just a dark interrogation room, a shitty wood table, and one of those crappy hanging aluminum bowl lights up top, right? Okay, I'm with you. We're setting the scene. So we rejoined the tense conversation in this in this interrogation room, where the gravity of Lennox's involvement with the elusive seventh wave has just been revealed in the gripping last cutscene. The seasoned interrogator, he leans forward, and his eyes fixed on Keller, and his voice is cutting through the silence as he seeks answers. Our boy Donald Sutherland explains that McCarver was brought in the day prior and asked how he knew McCarver had info on the American, the traitor, the bastard. Keller responded by mentioning that Sergeant Solomon had been part of McCarver's unit and had tipped them off. However, he added that it was a purely a stroke of luck. The interrogator looks at him completely skeptical and says, I don't believe in coincidences. Like, no. <laughs> like, we're not, we're not dealing with any supernatural or anything like this. We're working with facts here. Motherfucker out here trying to pin it on the Wendigo. Yeah, yeah, for real. <laughs> so the briefing. So now we have a briefing 
for the upcoming operation, it outlined McCarver's strategic object objective of advancing to the east. But the plan entailed crossing a cemetery located on the outskirts of Nazran and reaching the steel plant on the opposite side of the area of operations. Their forces were tantalizingly close to the primary objective when disaster struck. So now we're coming into not Nazarene town. It's very dark. It's very musky. It's it's we're talking closed quarters with a bunch of alleyways as well. The time is 08:42 in the morning. So as the mission commenced, you know we're in gameplay. We're in gameplay now. Uh, the mission commenced. McCarver couldn't help but remarks on the radio. I always thought places like this only existed in movies. I think that's such an interesting line because, like, regular, well, well, you you, you were in a, a whole different realm in the military where you were, you know, going out of country where I wasn't. But in situations, like, for me, that's never deployed. I would think that some of these places I've seen, like, in Jarhead or, you know, in Schindler's List. You know, I would just think these places never, you know, they, it's there's no way it's too too crazy. But no, you know, they, they really exist. And this is a really cool personal remark that's made by by McCarver. I wouldn't know either for the record. Yeah. <laughs> the, the primary objective is to navigate through Nazrin town. And you are armed with uh, with the Ingram Mac 10. Very small weapon. You could use you could hold it with one hand. You know, it, it's like a, it's a smaller Uzi. That's what that's what I like to compare it to. Uh, you could put it right in your pants, and you know, What's it's it a very dangerous weapon. Um, uh, Ingram Mac Ten. I'm pretty sure it's classified as a automatic pistol instead of a submachine gun, but I I could be completely wrong. Uh, once this uh, mission starts, you press forward. Uh, with your unit encountering unexpected challenges along the way but upon reaching the graveyard you discover that the presence of a that the, there's a presence of a deadly sniper and as a team knew all too well snipers were renowned as the pinnacle of marksmanship earning their reputation as the finest shooters in the world are you familiar with the white death <laughs> not in the way you want me to be also apparently the <laughs> mac 10's been a thing since 1964 Woo! Really? That's I just thought that was that was a nifty fun fact. Very been more, it's been around that long. I did, I thought I thought it would be more of a '90s weapon, but yeah, I was thinking like late '90s, weapon. early 2000s. Yeah, yeah, 1960 something, whatever I said. I like that. That's a little retro. A little retro. So I'm going to tell you about the guy named Simo Heha. The fuck you are. Guy. Yep. <laughs> Do you know who he is? No. CeeLo oh, so, Green? No, Simo Heha. He was a You're a just Finnish making shit up. There's no way that's a person's name. I I he was a Finnish sniper, okay? That's Is that's, is this real life or are you This is this is real life. Simo <laughs> Simuna Heha. Yeah, I still refuse to believe that's real, but all right, keep going. So, have you ever seen the picture of this Finnish soldier that where he had he got shot in the face with an exploding bullet and it like messed up the whole bottom of his face? No, but Finland doesn't exist. I, I've heard this before. I don't know if I agree yet. But 
The White Death, Simoheha, was a Finnish sniper who achieved legendary status during the Winter War of 1939 to 1940. And uh, in 1905, he joined the Finnish. Oh, he was born in 1905, and then short, you know, when he was older, he joined the Finnish voluntary militia known as the White Guard at 21 years old. When the war broke out between Finland and the Soviet Union, he served as a sniper in the Finnish 6th Company of JR-34 Battle of the Battle of Kola. In freezing temperatures of negative 40 degrees, he camouflaged himself in white, earning the nickname the White Death. Using a Seiko M2830 rifle with iron, iron sights, he recorded an astonishing 505 confirmed kills in less than 100 days. So if that gives, uh, you know, if that gives any perspective of what a sniper can do or what, the, or what a sniper is, look up the White Death. So as we continue, so the the M twenty eight thirty it for everybody else is just a Mosin. Yeah, that's right. Well, one of the very very many different variations of it, but yeah, there you go. What one of the what is it like the the second or third tier weapon that you get in Call of Duty World at War? Oh, you're asking the wrong hombre. You're asking the wrong guy. It's been a while. So your journey leads you to a building that it. so when you go, when you're in the cemetery, you ever seen like those houses? Just looks like a house that someone lives there, but it's like the cemetery office. Yeah, yep, I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. So it's one of those, and you know you're running up to one of those, and it was anything but hospitable. <laughs> Let me tell you. Uh, so when you get inside, there's hidden adversaries awaited, and you had you have to breach and clear the structure. But after a hard fought battle and the elimination of the elusive sniper perched on the top floor. The moment has come for you to claim the Wal- the Walther WA-2000. I hope I'm pronouncing that way, right. I don't know if it's Walter or Walther or Walther. Or I'm going to say Walther WA-2000. And that had nearly ended your mission. But with the high-powered weapon now in your hands, it is now time for you to fend off the relentless tide of oncoming enemy forces, which is turning the tables on your would-be assailants. No, you're, co- you're coming in, and it's, t- it's just time to wreck shop now. Sorry. So I, I, brought, I pulled up the, Wal- the Walther WA-2000, because yeah. I've never actually even noticed the L until you had that until you had that seizure trying to pronounce yeah. it. I've never even <laughs> noticed it before. So now I'm looking at this bullpup sniper rifle. To me, it's one of the worst. I, I don't think it's that attractive looking. No, it's a. It's very bulky. It looks very heavy. A lot of wood, and I think that's what's bringing a lot of the weight to it. But it's got some range. But from what I was reading, uh, you know, you get a thousand, you get a thousand yards. And okay. sometimes, you know, you know, sometimes with a thousand yards, that could be like a a, a thirty-eight hitting a piece of armor. So, we'll see. Uh, where were we? Oh, here we go. So as you make your determined advance towards the graveyard's exit, a determined enemy force emerges intent on thwarting your mission. With relentless waves of foes converging on your position, you engage in a furious firefight. And amidst the chaos, you spot a towering church with a bell perched high above. Well, if you see this bell, if you're playing a video game and you see a bell, a big bell, and you see a guy under it. What, what are you going to do? I'm, I'm going to shoot the rope to the bell. You're going to shoot the bell, right? 
Yeah, you can every shoot time. The, you can shoot the bell, and the bell drops on the enemy. And it does the loudest bong. It is so loud. But it is one of the coolest features I've seen that I've seen in this game so far. And it just completely decimates the building that, that it's in. Something about dropping things on people's heads in video games is just always going to be a thing that has to happen. I agree. I think one of my earliest uh, memories of that happening was I, I feel like you can do that in Metal Gear Solid Snake Eater. Like you could drop like a, a, a something hanging from the trees on their heads. I almost I think that was Snake Eater. I could be completely wrong, but I feel like that was a game that you could do that in. I wouldn't know. I didn't get into Metal Gear Solid until it was too late. Oh yeah, Snake Eater was was the jam. Yeah, I'm waiting because they're doing a remake of them all. That's what I'm waiting for too. And I, when they come onto PC, I'm su- I'm gonna be I'm super excited. Oh yeah, same here. Yeah, you're you're not gonna see me for a while. I'm gonna finally play all these fucking things. I'm going to go back and play. Well, to be honest with you, I didn't play. I didn't play four or five. I just played the first three. Yeah, that was it. Nah. Uh, so. Eh, oh, well. Yep, so, so guy gets his bell rung. Yep. Guy gets his bell rung. Bell decimates the building and you press on navigating through a maze of enemies cunningly concealed behind and within the mausoleums of the cemetery. <laughs> And the primary objective is, is, is now behind you, but there was no time to rest. So your new mission directive now is to assume other sniper positions. And it was a test of, in, like, in this, in this part of the game, it's a test of adapt, it's a test to adapt yourself. Making it the most of the resources at hand with your soldier's intuition on high alert you brace for another assault, knowing that yet another determined group of enemies was closing in, determined to halt your progress. So you take your first sniper position within the Grand Mausoleum. It's it's so the Grand Mausoleum. Think of like the Lincoln Memorial with the giant white okay. pillars, just without the memorial in there. It's just like the mausoleum, and that that's pretty oh. much. What that's what this building is. It's just a big. White so, if the Lincoln Memorial was a, had a little bit more adaptability, yes, <laughs> I, I I agree, I agree. Yeah, so you, you know, you look at you go into this mausoleum and you pick off enemies one by one while you're you're you know you're just hiding back here in this mausoleum and you just. Just waiting for them to come in. You're just waiting for them. Just like how you do in any game. You just wait for the enemy to come in. Or you could just go to them. Either or. And now you start you start moving towards your second sniper position, which is inside of a smaller dome-shaped brick mausoleum. And here it's a you have like a, a spider hole, which is perfect for you. You have a lot of cover. And it's right there in front of your face. And you transition over to this hole. And then once again... You're just taking off guys one by one. But as you systematically eliminate the remaining foes, your next destination beckoned a medium-sized house. But inside, an unexpected discovery awaits. There is a large hole leading to an underground catacomb repurposed as a hideout. So you come down, you go down the hole, 
you navigate through the subterranean maze and you finally reach a checkpoint where your path forward depends on a well-placed grenade to take to take down the walls so yeah. this sounds like a sperm on the way to hit an egg exactly the you know exact what? That, same that is, it's coming in it's coming in hot it just made it, it through the through everybody got, else yep it's going through a maze and it and it finally here you get through the wall boom you're out of there but just when you think you're gonna rest you don't because the tunnel leads you into a trench that resembles like a, it looks like it, it looks like the inside of a junkyard that was repurposed as a trench. So taxes. So now we've we've given birth since we fertilized the egg. Now you're alive, and the trench is a metaphor for taxes. That's a really good metaphor. And let me this is what I'm doing to your episode now. Yeah, this is. <laughs> listen, it. We need that. We need that relief. We need that relief. And. But you go into the you go into well, the trench, right? That's what he said to start this whole process. That's right. And this this part right here is so crazy because you're going through this through this trench and you're just getting shot at from all directions. Okay? And labor laws. And take a guess what comes out of left field. The electoral college. We're about a hundred yards in, and we are faced with a man with an RPG. <laughs> and he is just shooting at you. He's just going in. You're taking cover. He's relentless. He's relentless. Very relentless, okay? The hash slinging slasher was fucking relentless. With adrenaline pumping. You cleared a series of buildings within the area, seamlessly navigating the trenches as you move closer to take this guy out. You finally do it. Now we cut to scene. So we're back in a dimly lit room, and we have the interrogator and Keller. We have Sutherland and Urban, and they're absorbing the contents of a recorded conversation. And in the recording... McCarver spoke urgently, suggesting that a clandestine black ops unit within the division include Lennox, a figure with no discernible connections or obligations. The interrogator in the recording expressed skepticism, questioning the idea of a terror cell operating under their own agency's umbrella. McCarver, who is in this recording, she responds with a confident with a confident and asserting answer claiming that Lennox has operated off the grid, which made it impossible to, to provide any type of concrete proof. It's then McCarver then details Lennox's involvement in very covert in various covert operations, such as those in the Congo and the Philippines. Lennox's calculated actions had caused these missions to spiral out of control leading to grave, costly errors, and the division has subsequently cut ties with him, and Lennox had wiped out his pursuers in Miami, altering the course of events dramatically. So now, the recording conversation ends, and the recording, and the interrogator looks directly at Keller, and he inquires about additional information that McCarver had shared. And Keller reveals that Lennox, despite adopting different aliases and profile, was the CIA's most wanted terrorist. And the revelation left Keller with no reason to doubt McCarver's credibility. And the interrogator then delved into the 
delved into their thoughts on the upcoming operation. Keller expressed the gravity of the mission, explaining that their objective was to destroy a steel plant being used as a weapons factory, and the division had deemed this mission too perilous and politically sensitive for a conventional strike. Thus, handpicking McCarver's crew for the task, Keller emphasized that this mission was not one that anyone in their right mind would willingly undertake. They're going balls deep, Brandon. Again, going back to the impregnation metaphor. Yeah. Yep. You're right. Mm-hmm. Maybe, something. That, maybe that's the Easter egg that no one ever found. The whole thing was... Black. The, yep. The whole thing was a plot to a porn. All of it. It's it's all starting to come together, man. Yep, that, that was part of the plot, too. All right, so now... 11 hours later. In game time or is this like a fast forward? So we're going. So remember, so this happened four days prior. So now we're going into our second day. Okay. Okay. We're we're coming into the evening evening of the second day. That was just the first day. Uh, what what we just started with was the morning of that day. Okay. Yeah. And we're 11 hours later, and the weapon that we have now is a Heckler & Koch G36C. Uh, it's everybody's favorite weapon in GTA V. You know, it's got it's got a really interesting look to it with a, with a how do you say that, a skeletal, uh, with a skeletal style stock usually. A very interesting weapon. Actually a really good one too. Uh, approximately 11 hours had elapsed since the intense cemetery run, and the new objective the new objective is now to locate the Nazran foundry. Before this mission, the operatives face a pivotal decision. You either go in guns blazing, blazing with your G36, or you could go a little stealthier with the suppressed M9. You know, again, we're, we're, we're coming into a decision-making scenario in this game. So... Navigating through the through the expansive construction yard at the heart of the foundry, you are encountered with the usual adversaries. No guns blazing, and methodically eliminating them one by one as they close in on the target. Uh, the your journey takes an even more treacherous turn when you stumble upon a minefield, and while you're in the minefield, you just you just get a shot at. It's just happening, right? And you're quick think, and if you and if you're quick, you could just you could disarm the hidden mines. You could shoot them, go right through, and take out the guys from back. Uh, but you're the one to complicate matters even worse. But as it does, the obstacles are littered are littered with literally like uh, what you know in World War II in Normandy, those big X barriers, those like steel barriers. They look like a star or an X. Oh yeah, they're just giant cantrips. What are those? Yeah, I can't remember the name of those, but. There is a bunch of those stocked up with a bunch of Hescos, and uh, you're not familiar with with what a Hesco is. I know you are. It's it, it's like a big old sandbag, just a big old square sandbag, and that's what this area is looking like. Very grimy. There's everything's on fire too. Just everything is on fire. So now you finally make it to the foundry, and McCarver's saying, you know, hey, I'm, I got, I got you. I got providing some sniper overwatch. 
and you continue through, and you, the focus starts shifting to disabling the weapon manufacturing capacity. I just want to say I meant Caltrip and not Cantrip. Ah. Yeah, because uh, our our email box is about to be full, buddy. Oh man! Not even not even remotely close to the same thing. Not even a little bit. <coughs> we are. Yeah, I'm seeing. Right? I'm seeing. Those are called the uh, the Czech Hedgehog. Czech Hedgehog. Czech, like Czechoslovakian. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah I, Czech Hedgehog is what those things are called. Well, yeah, that there. These things are all over the place, and they're wrapped up in barbed wire, uh, like they were in World War Two. Nothing's changed here, apparently, in Czechoslovakia, because they're still using these barriers. And it's it's just in the way, you know, it's in the way. And it's a it's a very intense firefight. So now you're inside of the foundry. And, uh, you know, you're taking out the, the weapon manufacturing capacity, which is all the equipment that is inside the building. And while the rest of your unit is clearing the way, you're ordered the crucial task of destroying the machinery equipment. You have four of them you have to destroy. Uh you know, but obviously you're not going to proceed without first clearing out another building and going through formidable adversaries determined to put a stop to your mission, right? Because that's just how it is. You just don't get to an objective without enemies. Although I feel like they've made it easier for us these days and now they don't make it as predictive. You play yeah. a game and you get to the objective and now it's like, well, just take it. <laughs> just hit E. Yeah, just hit E and then we'll figure we'll figure out your consequences later. So you take out all four uh, machinery equipment and now the shift focuses to the next critical task and that's destroying the melt the metal smelter control panels. And that's that's really easy. You go in their panels, you literally go in and just beat them to death or shoot them. But inside this foundry um, I want you to picture the ending of Terminator 2, right? And they're inside that big foundry where uh, Terminator's putting, when he's going and drowning inside the lava, and he has his thumb up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what this place looks like, the inside of this place. It's just a bunch of these giant, like, lava cauldrons, and you're just trying to make sure you don't fall into one of these things throughout this fight. Lava cauldrons is probably my new favorite thing. Yeah, I don't know what else to call it. It's just a big lava cauldron. And, you know, they're making weapons here, so they're using the metals for bad, bad things. Um, so now you have successfully completed the objective of dismantling the weapon manufacturing capacity, and the time has come to rendezvous with Solomon at the foundry entrance. Uh, so as you make your escape from the sprawling warehouse, you continue to encounter relentless waves of enemies, each confrontation bringing them closer to the ultimate goal linking up with the agent who held who holds the key to the mission success and now we're back in the interrogation room once again we got jack keller and the interrogator and the interrogator remarks i had a chance to talk to sergeant solomon quite an interesting character he didn't seem to have many positive things to say about you <laughs> jesus <laughs> and keller immediately gets up and slams his hand on the table he's like you're lying <laughs> you're a liar bro so what, does, so what does the interrogator do he pulls out his handy dandy recorder and you hear solomon speaking and he sheds light on the situation 
He says, Lennox emerged after the Cairo incident. Rumors spread like wildfire, and the division tried to keep it hush-hush, but it got out. The interrogator then asked, how do you link him to the seventh wave? And Solomon replied, well, the Miami debacle. My team was assigned to track him down at the time, but we didn't, we didn't even know it was Lennox. But it all clicked later. We weren't sure if our target was really him. He was elusive. We almost had him in Kuwait City, Tokyo, and came close in Kandahar. But he always managed to outmaneuver us. Ashford finally took him down to northern Pakistan, and he's buried in Sun Valley. So Ashford is, from what I was looking up, it is the Royal Air Force or a division of the Royal Air Force. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, it's a Royal Air Force Advanced Landing Ground in Kent. England, and I'm going to assume um, that that is what they're saying. I, I couldn't, I couldn't pin anything else that would come together with Ash, Ash, because it sounds like they're saying Ash Four, but I couldn't find a military acronym that went with that. So I'm going to go with Ashford because Chechnya is a lot closer to the United Kingdom than America is, and if that's if that's what it took to take them down, then that's what would probably make sense. Okay. I see I see how you got there. Yeah. Uh, so then the interrogator, he switches gears, and he asks Solomon in this recording, what's your assessment of Sergeant Keller? And Solomon did not mince words. He says, Keller's a hothead. He's reckless and has no regard for collateral damage. So then the interrogator shuts it off, and then turns to Keller and just changes the subject. And he says, tell me about Valencio. And just fuck everything else, right? Just tell me about Valencio. Yeah, that's all that's important here now. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. So if it, if it really does sound like I'm not making sense, I'm literally going through the timeline of this game, and I'm, I'm trying to make sense of it as best as I can, too. Okay. I promise you. I promise you. But it's all coming together. So Keller responds matter-of-factly, there's not much to tell about Valencio. Our team was tasked with eliminating him, and our missions were straightforward. Get in, get out. And after the operation at the Steelworks, we, we were reinstated as alpha status. Valencio was one of the key targets and the 7th Wade boss. He escaped from Charlie's team, so we were dispatched to capture him. Intel suggested he was hiding in an old asylum. Uh, so now we're coming into the next day. It is the evening of the next day. These time lapse are crazy, actually, to be honest with you. Now that I'm looking at them. <laughs> now that you're seeing it. Yeah, now that I'm looking at it, I'm just like, I feel like it's been like, I feel like we're in the fourth day and we're just starting to come into the halfway point of the game now, you know? I feel unless, you. Unless the rest of the game happens all in one fucking day, then that would be crazy, but we'll see. So we get to an area called T Tivoli, uh, Tivoli Asylum. So as the team enters the asylum area, you find yourselves confronted by a heavily fortified enemy stronghold. And the intensity of the battle escalates immediately. Because guess what comes out? A fucking RPG. <laughs> I, I knew it. I knew there was going to be a theme. Yeah, it just... It, an RPG just starts raining hell... 
like literally as soon as you get to this area it's just it's it's happening you're just getting shot at with this thing and this son of a bitch is relentless too like there's no signs of him like tiring down but your mission was clear clear out the enemy forces and advance further into the interior of the asylum and the next the next task is to eliminate the fortified entry post which is positioned in front of the asylum and this building i mean you could just picture just old old looking asylum just think penhurst okay it's a lot you know just looks a lot like penhurst the size it's huge big old front doors with pillar with a pill with a pillared entrance and so at this point while all this is happening you go you go you're going golden eye on everybody you know you're picking up what you're running out of ammo you're picking up weapons on the ground picking up enemy ammo and you're just pummeling through these guys trying to make it happen so when you get to the when you get towards the end of this you pick up an rpg yourself and you take out the the fortified entrance you run inside the building and on the radio you hear solomon saying hold your position <laughs> stay put don't go anywhere and once again jack keller risking his goddamn career decides to go against orders and goes inside the damn building <laughs> yeah I... that mode's about right yeah it like he he just he's just like fuck it fuck he's it. a loose cannon and and to put it to detail the, the unit just got he claimed he's saying that the unit just got brought up to alpha status okay and they're and they're doing this and he's go already going against orders insane uh, so you go inside, you know, despite the radio orders from Solomon, who urged you to hold your position and not venture deeper into the asylum, you decide to defy the command and proceeding against orders. You venture further inside and encounter more enemies lurking in darkened hallways. And this, you know, now you don't have your unit with you. You're by yourself and you're going through, you're doing firefighting, you know, you're doing firefighting in these tight, hall, tight, like, hotel-sized hallways, right? And there's just different types of enemies, and this is really one of the first times that you start facing against riot shield enemies. You know, you got to start pumping up, start getting more smarter. And but I just want to note, too, that during this, during this sequence, you can go through the, the hallways. Now, mind you, it's 2006, and if you pull out a, the Spaz 12 shotgun, you could blast through the door, through the walls, and the walls will completely just—they'll—they'll they'll, they'll be destroyed. If the destructible environments were there in 2006, and you could just shoot through the wall and just walk right through and complete the objective, you know? That's dope. At yeah. that at that point in time. Yeah, and you you don't you don't really think. You don't really think about. You don't think about it, 2006. Like, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. But then, it's 2023, and you look back how far we've come. We are, excuse me, we are three years away from this game being 20 years old, and this game had destructible elements, including a belt that you could drop on somebody. Uh, so. Now you, you're you're continuing through various rooms within the asylum, including a shower room reminiscent of Modern Warfare's uh, Gulag from Warzone. There's a it, 
when I tell you this room looks like perfectly like the gulag, the first gulag from Warzone, it it looks like they like Infinity Ward took the coding or like the look of it right from the game and was just like, yeah, we're just going to use this because it looks cool. And this is what you're walking through a lot of the time when you're fighting some of your enemies. Uh, you also navigate a vast hallway with open spaces exposing you to threats from above and below. Uh, the enemies display tactical prowess you using well-fortified cover, well-fortified cover positions to heighten the challenge. So at this point now, you've completed all your all your objectives, and it was time to go down into the lower levels of the asylum. And now you hear McCarver, you know, McCarver's voice crackling on the radio, alerting them to multiple hostile, alerting you to multiple hostiles attempting to breach the building. So as the mission, the, the mission stakes are escalating, you have to press forward into the unknown depths of the asylum to accomplish your goals. So descending further into the asylum depths, the team encounters Valencio's formidable bodyguards, a clear indicator that their target is nearby. As Keller delivered a briefing of the situation, Solomon's impatient voice echoed, hurry the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> like, he, like, first off, Solomon's pissed off at this point. He's ready to beat this dude's ass. Like, he, he's, he's, he's about to write some fucking Article 15s. He, he, he's not having it, Brandon. Stop putting up with the bullshit. Yeah, he's he's pissed. So now at this point, you know, you go ahead, you push forward, and you clear a path going towards Valencia. You go into this, like, hallway room, and there's... It's weird, because, like, it looks like the inside of a bank, with like an old bank with these white pillars. The white pillars seem to be a theme here. And you go in there, and there's Valencio over at the end. And he has this machine gun, like over at the machine gun nest. And he's shooting at you, and you take out the nest, and you get him, and you arrest him. And now we're going into a cutscene. <laughs> so in this recording, uh, the interrogator and Jack Keller listen to this recording, and it's Valencio, the guy you just. You just captured, right? He is begging for his life. And he says, please, please, I don't know. And Keller, sounding aggressive as hell, says, think about your wife, Nina, and little Milos. Oh, damn. Oh, yeah. It's getting it's getting hardcore right now. So Valencio, desperate, is crying. They have nothing to do with this. Nothing. And Keller warns Valesio and says, they will unless you tell me where Lennox is. All of a sudden, you hear Valencio screaming for his life. <laughs> like, it is haunting to the point that even you, you might feel bad for him. You know? I don't know, man. That's a hard yeah, take. It, that's a, that's it, a bold claim. It's, it's bad. So the recording shuts off and Keller's like, he's like, where did you get that? <laughs> he's looking at the interrogator like, where the fuck did you get this recording? And the, interrogate, the interrogator, he's just sitting there with his arms crossed, composed. And he says, you know, your mission was to eliminate Valencio, not torture him. <laughs> 
And Keller just looks at him. And he's like, what's happening here? So the interrogator does what he does best, and he redirects the conversation again. And he urges Keller to answer this question. So you executed the dockyard operation based on Valencio's information? Keller confirmed yes. The interrogator probed further. Under whose authority? Lieutenant Carver. She briefed the division and they approved the operation, Keller replied. You know, do you think that there's about to be a bombshell or do you think that it's just going to be in the old day in the office? Okay, well, it's kind of a trick question because this office is constant bombshells. This office is crazy. Yeah. So a typical day in this office would be a bombshell. Absolutely. Yeah. So the interrogator reveals that McCarver was under investigation for some time. He also reveals that the operation was not sanctioned and McCarver had not followed the proper channels. She didn't go through chain of command. She didn't go through any type of authority. That the mission was supposed to conclude at the steelworks. The lack of authority ceased to exist. Like, it wasn't there. It was not supposed to be there. And Keller angrily screams out. We had division dockets outlining the operation. My former team was tasked with the initial execution. And that was a company of McCarver and Solomon. Two teams, one target, Lennox. And that right there That's include that right there will conclude the second the second part for black. What right there? Right there. You're kind of a piece of shit. I know. I know. It's going to get very interesting from here on out. I mean, it has to be. We already have twists and turns. And this is yeah, just the we're only on day two. Yeah, so so I mean, if we put the math together, we are on day two. That that's that's what this looks like. It's just, it's weird to me. I Maybe I'm reading something wrong and I'll get back to it with the timeline. But we are, we are coming into day two. And actually, this, when we come into the next, the next mission, I actually think there is another time jump. There's a couple hour time jump from here. From the 18, from the 1820, from the 1827 hour mark. And yeah. I do not miss that era of media with a thousand time jumps to explain stuff. You know, it it is very interesting that you say that because a lot of TV was like that, wasn't Mm -hmm. it? A lot of TV and movies around that time. It It was was all time jumpy and it was only just a dream. And it's interesting how that stuff works now, but it didn't work then. I think it, it's it's kind of like anything. Like once it kind of hits mainstream, it gets overdone. Yeah, I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. And you know, the, and it's interesting too because a lot of those like because there wasn't a lot of military shows that came out, but 
if you look at like a lot of like those history channel military like documentaries that came out there's a lot of like this vibe this dark vibe with the interrogators and the fbi and the cia there's always something like like it's always with that um with that same chalky lettering i get yep i know exactly what you're talking about yep It's, it's always that same chalky lettering and the big red letters and stamps and police badges like there's this just like uh, it's like an old school like nypd blue episode <laughs> i couldn't agree with you more and i wish i could <laughs> <laughs> but it was a good time i mean and it's so interesting too because again i look i'm looking back at it and this game has more stuff than i that it had more stuff to offer than we realized because the story is good and there's already been a lot of a lot of plot twists, so you say. You know, now we learned that McCarver was doing her own thing, but at the same time, Keller's doing his own thing too. And then you got Solomon just sitting there, probably getting berated by the government. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because so- Solomon's over here. Probably he's probably like, get your get your guys. Some someone's yelling at Solomon to get his shit together with these two. <laughs> And it's just not happening, especially not with McCarver. And I think this this little bomb drop with McCarver really sets a new tone with a character that, yeah, we haven't been with her that long, but she's a part of your unit. She's got some she's she's knows she knows some things about things that you need to know. And, you know, what else is going to happen? Is, Sol- is Solomon is Solomon sketch, too? Is I think everybody's inter- sketch. Everybody's sketch. Like the interrogator. Is the interrogator part of this whole whole thing too? Why why are they trying to get Jack Keller to talk about this? And I think that's going to be something that we learn in the next episode, which I'm excited. I'm excited to do. Well, you better be. It's such a good game. It's it really nostalgic. Is. It's classic. I I don't want to remaster. I just want it to be the way it is. That's a pretty. I don't disagree with that. To be honest with yeah. you. Yeah, I you know, there there's a spiritual successor which I'll talk about in the next episode, because um, obviously Black Two didn't happen. No, I don't but think it ever will. Is, you know, but there is a spiritual sequel out there of it that the developers did work on. But it, it I think if we, it, oh, if we would have gotten more Black, imagine what it could have done for Call of Duty and Battlefield and, you know, Fortnite and all this stuff, you know. It could have been a franchise. Could have been. Could have been. I don't think Black on its own was good enough to be the staple for uh for a franchise though. Yeah, well EA doesn't EA doesn't really do good with shooter franchises. EA just doesn't really do good, to be honest with you. That's true. Didn't they have Medal of Honor? I think so. Was that was that EA? I think it was. You know, in EA, I mean, I only really only like three Medal of Honor games out of the three thousand that they put out. You know, and then you have Black, which is a standalone game, and it has stood the test of time. Yeah, it was EA. Yeah, EA is something else. EA is something else. But there you have it. Uh, join us next time. And also, don't forget, don't forget, because I forgot last time, 
to check out youmeandlore.com for all updates regarding you, me, and Lore. Also check out every every single podcast platform that is available out there. Are we on Amazon too? We're on yep. Amazon too, right? Yep, we yep. sure are. Amazon, iHeartRadio, Spotify. An- well, it's not Anchor anymore. It's Spotify for podcasters. Yep. You know, and then YouTube. We are working on the YouTube still. Yep, YouTube, and yep, it's get, it's getting big. You know, Kenny, I I we miss you, man. It was it was a little quiet. It was a little quiet, a little, but yeah, we need that ding dong. Yeah, yeah, he's he's probably he's that boy is busy now. Jesus Christ! Oh yeah, he is busy. He's gonna be even busy, and and, and again, we figured out your secret, Kenny. Yeah, we fi- we Fucking. figured it out. Blue Eagle, sham artist. Two to lose. All right, we'll see y'all next week. I think we're doing. What are we doing next week? It is. Is it Dead Space? It's Dead Space next week. It's Dead Space. The the introduction of Dead Space. All right. Well, with that, we'll see y'all later. Later, y'all. Peace.